ESPN Pensacola 94.5. You're listening to Talk Football with Coach K. I'm Davis Allen. Joined alongside me as always, Coach K. Stevenson. And Coach, we have a very special guest with us on the phone. I'll go ahead and throw it on over to you. Okay, uh, Davis, we do have a special guest and uh, uh, someone who many of you out there in this area are familiar with. He did leave us and and go a little bit uh, to the south down there. But uh, Bill Carr is with us. And let me just refresh your memory a little bit. Uh, Of course, Bill was an All-State, first-team All-State center at Pensacola High School. Uh, Went to the University of Florida, was first-team All-American there, was the uh, center starting center all during uh, Spurrier's years, and um, was captain of the football team, uh, which was kind of par for the course for Bill. <clears throat> he uh, later uh, became the, and I'm skipping over a few uh, things, but he later became the athletic director at the University of Florida, did an outstanding job. Uh, uh, a few years after that, after he resigned from that, he uh, became the athletic director at the University of Houston. Uh, did a good job there. Hired uh, Kim Elton out at uh, Houston, by the way, the head coach out there. Uh, Kim, oddly enough, a little trivia, uh, the Helton family, and uh, Kim's son is now the head coach at Southern Cal out there. But the Hilton family came from Pensacola, and Kim uh, followed Bill as the center at Florida for the next three years, so for six years. Uh, University of Florida had uh, two two guys at center. But anyway, Bill hired uh, Kim out at uh, Houston. And uh, Kim, of course, got his son involved in, in coaching. And, and uh, so the story goes. Uh, then Bill started a uh, uh, group, put together a uh, uh, business called Car Sports Associates. And uh, they're very influential with uh, – uh, colleges and universities as as advisors and consultants and uh, talk about everything from uh, whether an athletic uh, program is viable financially or not, uh, coaching changes, uh, they're involved with, uh, with that, and uh, many other things. It's uh, just a very, very interesting guy to talk with and to get information from. And, you know, after yesterday's... Uh, a uh, very uh, interesting interview with Bill Valona. We learned about the, uh, had an idea, but we learned for sure about the uh, some of the problems going on at Florida State. And we had heard before that, uh, you know, Auburn is taking a 10% uh, cut, making a 10% cut on all their athletic, uh, their athletic budget. I think Ole Miss is uh, cutting 8.5%. Uh, the... <laughs> Uh, we have to face the facts here, and uh, it, it's happening. Uh, so I want to I want to get Bill involved. I thought about Bill yesterday. Gosh, it would have been good to have him on the phone then. But next best thing is have him on today and talk about all this. So, Bill, thanks for coming on with us, buddy. Well, thank you, Kay. I appreciate the invitation. Look forward to our discussion. Well, let's let's start with exactly uh, where we left off there with. Colleges and universities and the uh, athletic departments and uh, where we're going, what the trend is, uh, and then we're going to get into quite a few other things. But uh, let, let's start there, and, and in particular, uh, if you can hit on uh, Florida State and uh, uh, maybe the, maybe Florida and Auburn, whatever. Uh, 
Well, Tay, again, I appreciate the opportunity to address the uh, folks there in in the beautiful city of Pensacola. I have such fond memories of so many aspects of the of the place, but nothing more. Nothing more attractive to me than Pensacola Beach. I'm telling you, you know, the people and the beach at Pensacola, those are the two things that uh, that sit in the highest position in my memories and and uh, just love the beauty of the beach and the uh, the beauty of the people, both in spirit and in uh, their their loyal support for everything that goes in the positive direction. So anyone listening out there that's old enough to have been our acquaintance, we are we send our greetings today, but intercollegiate athletics, you talk about an industry that has changed now, Kay, it is extraordinary. And I, I look at it from a, a lens that goes all the way back to the days when you and I were teammates at Pensacola high school. Uh, when Jimmy Haynes was our coach there at PHS in the early 1960s, that's a, that's a million years ago. And, uh, uh, but at the, at the time that we went to the University of Florida, you and I were there together also in, in the early 60s. Things were so different in our experience at campus than they are today. There are many, many similar activities, of course, the classroom work, trying to balance all the things that are involved in being a full-time student and also being a full-time football player. In our case, that's the sport in which we were engaged, of course, and that's the main revenue sport at most places in America, some some places it's basketball, but certainly in the SEC, uh, with the exception of Kentucky, where probably basketball gains a little more revenue, but uh, that's an anomaly. The, everybody else is making it off of their off of their football programs, and uh, but the the thing that has changed so dramatically, okay, there are several things that are going on, and. The, the rate of change, the innovations, the impact of science and technology on the industry is just extraordinary. Uh, the number of uh, nutritional issues and uh, scientific issues like GPS systems that help you track an athlete's uh, fatigue levels and, and uh, body signs of his physiology, his or her physiology, and how to coach that student athlete and the winning edge it provides, in fact, Vanderbilt having just won the Southeastern Conference uh, Championship in baseball, and there they go on and win the NCAA College World Series. And uh, some of that technology helped them in developing their pitching staff to a fine point of excellence that uh, really was the winning edge for them. And that came from, uh, came from some of the technology, the innovations that they used. So that's a complex area. But those are the ramifications financially, and that's the other piece I was going to mention and the topic that, that you wanted to focus on today. It's cost so much money to be competitive in the industry, and that's why schools, as you mentioned, Auburn cutting back 10% and Mississippi State cutting back 8.5%. I can't speak with certainty as to whether they had to do that or whether they were just trying to be proactive, but it's understandable because you can spend any amount of money that you want to spend uh, and can justify under your, under your budgeting uh, picture because there are so many options to spend those dollars on and the revenues are, are difficult to achieve. Uh, football attendance is down nationally over the last several years. 
And there are many reasons for that, but most of it is just the, the sheer comfort and the competition of television opportunities. So it is a complex circumstance, uh, Kay, that we're talking about here. Are there particular areas of focus that you would like to he hear me uh, illustrate uh, more deeply? Well, yeah, uh, Bill, I, I know that's a, that's, that's a good overall rundown. And the bottom line is that uh, there's some – uh, there's some problems ahead. I know uh, Bill Valona talking about the FSU problem, and and it's significant. Uh, you know, it's and, and yes. it's it's almost understandable because uh, here is a program that looks like it's in uh, free fall, collapse. Uh, they did not necessarily. I mean, there's a lot of bad publicity about how uh, the climate had changed at Florida State and the way they conducted practices and and a game, a game organization, and so on. But uh, uh, attendance is, is way the heck down. Season tickets uh, just almost back to a pre-Bill Peterson era. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, the uh, contributions to the athletic program are minimal at best. At the very best, they're minimal. And uh, there doesn't look to be a, uh, a quick fix in, in, in store. So uh, what, what what are you going to do? you got uh, budgets out there, uh, Bill, you're well aware of what they're more or less uh, committed to spend over the next, let's say, five, ten, five, six, seven years anyway, and with schedules and uh, all that they're committed to, uh, it, it's, it's not a pretty picture at all. And uh, if there's anything else, like on that Florida State situation, uh, what they're going to have to do to to pull out of it, and I think we all know. But go ahead and and, and elaborate on it if you will. I will, and and the the situation at FSU is is a good example because when you look at the statistics, the comparison of revenue and expense budgets, uh, the the most recent data uh, that has been compiled by USA Today and and presented is the 2016-17 data, which is literally two years old. But it is empirical uh, numbers that have come forward from official records of those institutions, and it shows a budget of Flor at Florida State as being the highest in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, the FSU's budget that year was 100 and, is $144 million, and uh, it showed a, a very slight uh, excess of revenues over expenses, but I understand from a recent article that I read just earlier this month, a week and a half ago or so, uh, indicated that uh, FSU had lost three million dollars last year, and uh, in their uh, in their operating expense. So th that's that's not a good trend for them, but they have some other things that are even more discouraging for them, and that is pertaining to their attendance issues, and. Uh, and their, their season ticket sales, um, I can't quote you exact figures in that regard, but I can tell you that uh, that with the downward trend that they experienced last year, that is that is a, a, a concern of, of great significance to them because uh, at that level, it doesn't it doesn't take much to create issues. But the the the, the main point I would want to uh, emphasize at this time, I, I think the primary category, Kay, in 
in a demonstration of excess in intercollegiate athletics that has led to a lot of the problems from a, from an expense side is what schools are paying coaches now is is excessive beyond realism. It is not sustainable to pay coaches the kind of money that we're that we as an industry are paying them now. And of course, when when Jimbo Fisher left FSU to go to Texas A&M, most even casual college football fans can give you can quote you the statistics of his of his contract there. It was a ten year contract guaranteed at seventy five million dollars, seven and a, an average of seven and a half million over ten years guaranteed. Now I would contend to you that that's excessive because compensation, as any management theorist will tell you, compensation gets to a point where it's no longer an incentive at the end of the day. That's a disincentive because he, he would have to break some significant laws in, in our nation in order to, uh, to uh, put those, those uh, compensation levels in jeopardy. And there's just no way that, that even Texas A&M, with its extraordinary wealth, and they, were the, they had, by the way, uh, the second highest level, and then uh, I understand that they in Texas, those two schools are pushing the top to be the highest level of revenue and expense in college athletics, Texas, both the University of Texas and Texas A&M, that if anybody can afford it, it's the Texas A&M, but it's not a practical thing to do. We just can't justify paying coaches that much money, uh, and uh, in within the within the higher education context, are, are they worth it from a commercial standpoint? I would say that that argument could be made, and I could I could express that in terms that would uh, try to be convincing that that is worth it. But can it be justified in the higher education context? In my best judgment, no, it cannot be. And, and K, the second category that is a jeopardizing circumstance is that of facilities, the excess of facilities that we are spending. I mean, University of Texas just spent $7 million re- re- renovating, refurbishing its football locker room. University of Florida just uh, this summer just opened, and in fact, uh, this week just announced that their uh, or last week, I guess it was that they, you know, their new locker room is finished. They spent a little over a million dollars in that refurbishing, but uh, can you imagine that Texas spent seven times that much? You get into the, those those excessive areas, but I think FSU, getting back to that point, okay, they they have their work cut out for them to say the least, and now the contract that they have with their current coach who had a very difficult season last year because he did inherit some, uh, some deficiencies within the talent level at FSU. Uh, and, uh, some people question his abilities as a coach. I can't speak to that. I've not, uh, I've not researched him for a search that I've been involved in to give a, a, a final assessment of that. But I do know that he's got his hands full trying to deal with that situation. And, uh, they they are indicating that they are they are struggling uh, financially and there are no short solutions. But the one hope that they have is 
that the Atlantic Coast Conference is just opening. They're, they're coming on with their Atlantic Coast Conference television network, and hopefully some of those new revenues will be helpful to them in being able to balance their budget. Uh, they're also doing some things to reorganize how their booster structure is arranged and uh, giving the university greater control of how those dollars are spent. There's some some things that their booster organization did that did in the last couple of years that have drawn criticism. Uh, I can't comment on the validity of those things, but uh, obviously the university leadership is concerned. That's why they've restructured at FSU. Yeah, well, that's that's excellent excellent information. I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Bill. I would the only one that I've heard, and I heard a, a rather detailed uh, uh, narrative on why uh, Saban is worth every penny at the University of Alabama. And it goes back to um, utilizing statistics before he came, the precipitous drop-off during a rather difficult time, and then what he's done also in the way of raising money for the general fund uh, for other things in, in the way of education uh, for the university. Now, when they, they put all that together, uh, they, they come up with a, uh, a compelling reason for, for why uh, Saban uh, is worth that. And if he wasn't there, was not there, uh, that'd be a totally different picture. So that's the, that's the only one that I've, that I've heard that I could, I could say in this day and time, but I would have never thought that salaries would have been anywhere near what we're hearing, players, coaches, or anybody else. Bill, I'm going to have to uh, take a little quick break here. Could I get you to hold okay. on with us? We're going to take I'll a stand by. Thank you. All right, thank you. ESPN Pensacola 94.5. We are currently talking to Bill Carr. If you are just now joining us, he was a former All-State football player from Pensacola High School as well as an All-American at the University of Florida, and he's going to be staying with us right after this break. You're listening to Talk Football with Coach K on ESPN Pensacola 94.5. ESPN Pensacola 94.5. You're listening to Talk Football with Coach K. And we are going to continue our interview with Bill Carr, former All-State American from Pensacola High School, as well as All-American from the University of Florida. Coach, I'll send it back over to you. Okay, Bill, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Yes, sir. You know, going back a a few years, quite a few years now, I can remember uh, some of the politicians. I was down in Tallahassee, and they were – lobbying for uh, this uh, huge enlargement of the uh, Florida State Stadium, which used, used to be uh, really just like a uh, – it was a, a terrible situation, the, the stadium down there, and they did need some uh, some improvements. But to build the edifice that they have there now, and I, I they wanted to get to, to over 80,000 like Florida. They wanted every seat uh, Florida had. And I made the statement uh, one night very seriously without trying to, trying not to hurt anybody's feelings, but I said, you know, when you get to the point that uh, Coach Bowden's gone and the offense changes and uh, 
you're playing at home, you're playing uh, Wake Forest and uh, uh, North Carolina State and and whomever in the uh, ACC, uh, do you think you're going to fill that stadium out there? I said, it's just, you know, in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, the drive to and with the alumni that's out there uh, and the teams that they're going to be playing. Now, if you're playing the Auburns and Georgias and, and uh, Ole Misses and Alabamas and th- people like that, yeah, you'd, you'd, uh, you'd have need for a stadium like that, but, but not playing Wake Forest and, and North Carolina State, Boston College, you know, it's just – but uh, they built it, and uh, I think now they're uh, they're paying uh, somewhat of a price for that as well. Well, yes, and and the the trend in stadium construction today, Kay, as you know, is is to not have the mass seating capability, but the premium seating capability. That's what you want to have is seating that not so many that you're not going to sell eighty thousand, but if you can sell. 60 to 65,000 uh, regular seats, if you will, and then you can have another 10 or 15,000 that are premium seats, the yield per acre, so to speak, the return on investment and, and the square footage of, of viewing space that you have with all the amenities of, of uh, food and drink and relaxing the atmosphere and air conditioning and indoor circumstance. Those are the things you're looking for. And Here's, here's my future prediction uh, in, in, in that regard, Kay, is, is that as legalized sports betting is, is now the law of, of, of the land on a state-by-state basis. Each state has to make their own decisions in the current interpretation of the Supreme Court ruling. So I predict, and I say this with no satisfaction, I say this with regret, but I, I feel like that, that stadiums uh, are going to become more like casinos, if you will, because people are going to be coming in there and doing the betting uh, on the games, not just for the end result, but on every, with every snap of the ball. Now, whether that's going to happen in the state of Florida remains to be seen. That's a, that's a bigger question politically than it is philosophically, because with the current uh, arrangements we have right now with uh, with the Seminole Indian tribe and, and the control they have over gambling by contract with the state of Florida, those are, those are extremely difficult legal and political social issues to, to ferret the best balance, if you will, over the next several years. But that's, that's a big part of what's happening looking ahead also. Whether it happens in this particular state, it is going to happen nationally on a, on a large scale. We'll have to see how that works out. But, again, that's just another part of this business of intercollegiate athletics and sports overall in the United States that is, a, is the next iteration. Yeah, there's even another level of thought, uh, too, Bill. I've talked to uh, over the years some people in, in the National Football League, and theirs goes even a step further in that uh, if, if you notice, there are a lot of stadiums that uh, are downsizing the seats, have for many years. Yes, and, exactly. And um, they, they really don't care. They don't care about the uh, number of uh, people in the seats now. In fact, uh, one, one person laid out a very uh, compelling argument for the fact that National Football League probably at some point in the future will get to the point that stadiums – 
are, are really uh, rather small, uh, maybe even 15, 20, 25,000 uh, people uh, would come in, and everything would be done more or less on television. That uh, mm-hmm. television would rule, and they, they don't need the in-stadium attendance, uh, nor, I didn't think about it this way, uh, nor the expense of in-stadium attendance and upkeep and maintenance and so on. Uh, that uh, those those are real. Those are real issues. Looking ahead, yeah, uh, it's it's an extraordinarily complex situation. But intercollegiate athletics has its own peculiar dynamics at play in there with student athletes and 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 if you get into the gambling, how do how do you convince a student athlete to not throw a game or to intentionally miss a free throw or or miss a field goal uh, in order to keep the point spread? Uh, within the, what the uh, what the gamblers are predicting, those are those are ethical character issues that uh, the administrators and coaches in the future of college athletics will be facing. Well, that's true, and there's one other uh, there's one other saving uh, factor, I guess, uh, for college, in that and there's so much pageantry and tradition with college football, where you uh, have 200 person bands and and cheerleaders and and uh, all of the uh, excitement and tradition that goes with it from the frats, you know, fraternities and sororities and, and all of the other uh, uh, things that go on before and after a game, you know, you know in, the, in the parking lot with the food and so on. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, those things are going to be tougher, I think, tougher to uh, overcome, especially the addition of the uh, student activity in the stadium other than the game itself. Yes, sir. But um, let's uh, let's skip on to one other thing here I want to get to, and maybe a couple if we have time here, Bill. Uh, okay. What do you hear about the – right there in the middle of, of Gator land, what do you hear about the Gators? Well, I think – I think there is a uh, there's a great uptick of enthusiasm uh, with the Florida football program. Uh, there is uh, uh, a a great expectation that uh, Coach Mullen is uh, going to be able to uh, to have a championship level program. Uh, the successful season they had this past year being Exhibit A in that regard. Uh, the complexity of the industry, though, is is borne out by uh, something we haven't mentioned elsewhere, you know, is the is what's called the, the new thing is the transfer portal, where athletes are able to register to transfer to different places. And the Gators have lost uh, several key players that they were hoping to keep. They've lost them to the transfer portal, uh, and uh, you know, th- but that is a that's a new dynamic, and every school is facing those issues dramatically, and. Uh, but overall, I think what's happening with the Florida Gator program is is on an upswing of enthusiasm and expectation and talent level. I think that uh, Dan Mullen coming, he is the best prepared coach uh, to, to come to the University of Florida in a long time uh, because of his nine seasons. It was either nine or ten that he had at Mississippi State as a head coach. The fact that he had been an assistant coach at the University of Florida during a championship period 
under Urban Meyer. He was the offensive coordinator. So when he came to the University of Florida, he understood the mindset, if you will, the expectations, uh, the perceptions, and the, 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 the priorities of Gator fans. And so he was able to step in very quickly and say and do the right things to, uh, to, to bring some order to the program because since Steve Spurrier left Florida, there was a, there was a parade of coaches with uh, uh, Urban Meyer being the notable exception of underqualified coaches, tragically underqualified and incapable coaches of producing at the SEC level, uh, several of whom had uh, not been head coaches previously. And I would tell you uh, from having been a first-time AD at the University of Florida that that's no place to learn how to be an AD, and it's no place to learn how to be a head football coach. When you walk in the door, you need to be, you need to be totally prepared for the complex and uh, uh, dynamic uh, circumstance in which you're going to be making decisions. And so Dan Mullen comes, and he is prepared for that. I've been impressed with, uh, with uh, not everything he's done, but with the vast majority of his productivity there, Kay, uh, as a former, former player and, and participant in the Florida program. I'm, I, I have even higher expectations for Dan looking ahead. You know, I agree with you. I think he did a heck of a job um, this past year. My only concern is did he outkick his coverage? You know, meaning, yeah, did they perform better than you know how fans are, especially in Florida? You know, you went ten and three uh, last year. Yep. Do you go? Do you go twelve and uh, you know twelve and one this year and uh, win the national championship? When do you, when are you going to win the national championship? And it's too soon to be talking about that. But one 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 uh, clearly uh, evident uh, factor involving Mullen and his coaching ability is how he handled it, uh, Felipe Franks. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I said on the air here numerous times, and I don't mind repeating it, uh, I didn't think Florida had a quarterback at all. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, and he came in and uh, really the last four games of the year, uh, he turned the kid around some way, somehow, and he came on the last four. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to line up and play 10 or 12 for you. But um, he clearly uh, played better, and you've got to give him credit for, for, doing a, for doing a good job. And I give Dan credit for that. Well, and I agree with you, Kay. Uh, the key is being able to establish uh, an array of uh, a scheme, if you will, an uh, offensive scheme that fits the skills of, of the quarterback in question. Whoever that qu- quarterback is, you've got to be able to give them options of what they can do in performance that you're asking them to do something of which they are capable of performing at a winning level. Because if, 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 if your requests, your expectations don't match their capabilities, then uh, it's destined to failure. And I think, I think that's the greatest strength that Dan was able to display. I couldn't agree more with what you said about Felipe Franks. I had, I had my doubts, and he exceeded my expectations over the course of the entire season. You know, overall, I mean, he had some bad moments, of course, but he had some, he had some good ones too. And I think that uh, Dan did a masterful job of, of play calling and directing him, and, and 
not not only in the physical part, but in the mental as well. Probably the mental even more than the physical. Well, I think you're right, absolutely about that. Uh, there there are a number of other things I'd love to talk to you about, uh, Bill, and I'd, I'd like for you to agree to come back on at some point. And, well, uh, we'll be glad to do that, Kay. Uh, Thank uh, you so uh, much. Listen, uh, listen, I want you to, to say hello. Keep in mind, uh, keep in mind that we talked a little uh, before about this, but one really shining light on the on the hill here for athletics has been the University of West Florida football. Yes. You know, yes. Judy Judy Ben's the president out there. Uh, we all met a number of years ago and really discouraged her from trying to start football out there. Uh, she would have none of it. Uh, she said, we are going to have a football team at the University of West Florida. Well, by golly, uh, she pushed it through. She got it. They got a great, great uh, young coach out here. Uh, they did something that's never been done before already. They, uh, fastest team ever in NCAA history to uh, play for the national championship. Uh, it's just uh, unbelievable. Got, getting great crowds. Give it a little thought. We'll Next time we talk, we'll uh, maybe elaborate on that. Well, and that's, I agree, and I, I think very highly of the head coach there. He's a good man. Uh, he's cut from the right cloth with his with his dad having been an NFL player. He grew up in the game, and, and he understands it. He is a uh, – I think the best choice they made uh, was, was allowing him to be their head coach. He's done a phenomenal job. And he's a quality, quality guy, too. First class. He is, so. exactly. That's, yeah. I, I, that's, that's where it starts, and that's where he, that's where he puts himself in a high level in my rating. You bet. Bill, thanks again, buddy. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Talk okay, to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. ESPN Pensacola 94.5. You were just listening to an interview with Bill Carr, former All-State All-American from Pensacola High School, as well as an All-American with the University of West Florida, including also former athletic director of both University of Florida and University of Houston. We're going to take our final time out. You're listening to Talk Football with Coach K on ESPN Pensacola 94.5.